0: Please stand, if you are able, for the reading of the gospel. Today's gospel reading is from the book of Daniel, chapter 6, verses 25 through 28. Then King Darius wrote to all the nations and peoples of every language in all the earth, May you prosper greatly. I issue a decree that in every part of my kingdom people must fear and reverence the God of Daniel. For he is the living God and he endures forever. His kingdom will not be destroyed. His dominion will never end. He rescues and he saves. He performs signs and wonders in the heavens and on the earth. He has rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. So Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus the Persian. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God.
1: I hope this works. Oh, wow, you get to hear me. Don't raise your hands, but how many of you would consider yourself part of a minority? Think about it. And that varies, you know, from place to place and from year to year. I'm a minority. I'm a married man. No you know, we are in a minority. There are more single men than married men. I don't know if you knew that. And in some countries, like China for instance, there are many more single men than married men because they had a policy for many years of killing or aborting females. So I'm a minority in that respect. If you think about it, you might be a minority and not even know it. But if I ask you to raise your hand, every one of you should have said, I am a minority. If for no other reason, you're here today. You're a minority. Back in 1950, if you remember that, and I'm looking around, yeah, you do. In 1950, one out of every four people in the United States was the member of a church. Well, you might think it was more than that, but you know, that's quite a few. 25% of the population, one out of four people, was a church member, went to church regularly, 1950. Well, here we are 70 years later. How many people in the United States go to church regularly? One out of eight. 50% 50% drop in that time. Now there are reasons not to go to church. You're, you might be sick, um, you might have um, some emergency arise, but uh, only one out of eight people is a church member these days. Um, I was thinking as I was preparing this, I have a street where I live and there are, it's a small street, one block long, and on our side of the street, there are six houses. Out of those six houses, two, people, two houses go to church. Well, that's only one out of three. Well, that's better than one out of eight. But across the street, I don't think any do. So, we are a minority. Don't feel bad about that. I think that's kind of neat. All pollsters today consider you a church member if you attend church once a month. Now, I think I know all of you. I've not met Penny's friends, but I've seen them. And I think I know all of you, and you come more than once a month. So you are really super members. Back in the fourth century, and I don't think any of you were there then, back in the fourth century, the emperor of Rome, whose name was Constantine, decided that Christianity would be the religion of the empire, the Roman Empire. Now, if we want to go back to the fourth century, everyone was a Christian. Wow. Now, they were Christians for a good reason. If you weren't, you might be killed. And nowadays, it's just kind of the reverse. In some places, you're killed if you are a Christian. But Constantine made it the religion of the empire, and so everyone was a Christian. Well, from that point forward, from the fourth century to today, things have kind of frittered away. They've gone downhill. Christianity is not always the choice for people today. And when people think of Christians, what do they think? You don't have to answer me, but in your own mind, what do people think of Christians? Well, Back when I was growing up in the 50s, I was born in 1947, but growing up in the 50s, uh, I know that Christians were basically portrayed, were thought of, about what we were for. We were for serving people, we were for helping, we were for having families, being good neighbors, At least that's how I remember the 50s when I was growing up. Now today, what do people think of Christians? Usually it's what they're against, not what they're for. Christians are against abortion. There's nothing wrong with that, is there? I mean, I'm not a a fan of that. Uh, They're against many things. And we've seen over the last 10, 20 years that uh, Christians have been labeled as hypocrites. How many church leaders do you know have left their churches because of sin, scandal? Kind of hypocritical. So Christians today are not viewed the same way they were viewed when I was a young boy. People might avoid you if you're a Christian. So, we find that in today's world, in our culture, we are a minority. How do we live in a culture like that when we are not the majority? That's why the first scripture today is important from Jeremiah. A little history lesson, it'll take about 30 seconds. There were two kingdoms, Israel and Judah. Israel was uh, taken captive by Assyria in 726 B.C. And Judah, the southern kingdom, was taken into captivity by Nebuchadnezzar. But did you realize that there were two conquests of Judah? Nebuchadnezzar came down to Judah and he took the cream of the crop. He took all the noted people, all the, the greats of Judah and took them back to Babylon. Then in six, uh, no, 586 BC, uh, when Judah didn't get the message, he came and destroyed the whole country, destroyed Jerusalem, tore down the temple and took everyone into captivity. Well, that's a little history lesson, and it has something to do with what we're speaking about today. God's people were taken captive to Babylon. They were in a culture, in a country, where they were the minority. And they had leaders who told them, and you can read about it in Jeremiah 28, if you like. Hananiah was the leader of this group. Keep away from these people let us have nothing to do with people in Babylon stay separate don't be involved with them in the very next chapter in chapter 29 we see what Jeremiah wrote to the people and was read today by Terry don't listen to them this is the word of God go into the city plant gardens build houses have families. Pray for the city. Oh my. Pray for Babylon. Babylon who would take them into captivity, who had destroyed their country. Pray for Babylon? Well, there's no way of getting around it, is there? That's what God said to do. And why? Well, he answers that question. Pray for the city, because in its prosperity you too will prosper. Just in the last month, I've begun doing something in my prayer life that I have not done in 74 years. I am praying for my community, Mishawaka, precisely. I'm praying for my town. Now maybe some of you have made that a habit all your lives, but I confess it's new to me. I'm praying for my community. Not that God will strike them dead. That's not what I'm praying. (laughs) I'm praying that the community will prosper and that all of its citizens would prosper and that there would be peace in our city. So I'm doing what Jeremiah wrote to the captives in Babylon. I'm praying for my city. This is not new. Because this is what God wanted his people to do from the very beginning. The first covenant he made with Abram when he called him out of the land of Ur and said, I'm going to show you a country where you and your descendants will live. And because of you, Abraham, because of you, all the nations of the world will be blessed. Wow. How long did that last? Not very long. Because we see that when Israel entered the land of Canaan, the Promised Land, they drove out the inhabitants, which was God's plan, and then they made war or fought wars with all of the surrounding countries and would have nothing to do with the other countries. And we find during the time of Jesus, in fact. The Jewish people would have nothing to do with other people. It's kind of hard to be a blessing to other countries when you have nothing to do with them. And yet, that idea persists even to today. Now, most of you have probably never heard of Rod Dreher. He's a religion writer. D-R-E-H-E-R. Rod Dreher. He wrote a very popular book in religious circles called The Benedict Option. If you've not read it, I can tell you very simply, he's gone back a couple of centuries, a couple of millennia, and he is encouraging Christians to separate themselves from the world, have nothing to do with the culture of today. And he calls it the Benedict Option because Benedict, a thousand years ago or more, started monasticism monasteries, convents, where the religious people of the day separated themselves from the countries in which they lived. Kind of hard to be a blessing, isn't it? When you have nothing to do with the people. I have had those tendencies in my life ever since I've been a Christian, to kind of stand off from people who do not view things the same way I do. I know you're thinking, well, yeah, that's you. That's not me. Well, yes, it is me. That's who I'm talking about, me. I used to stand off and say, well, they're not Christian. Uh, mm, I'll be around my own people, you know. I'll go to all the church activities. I'll invite people over that uh, think like I do, worship like I do, and uh, that'll be great. Well, I was wrong. That's not how it's supposed to be. Now, lest you think I'm suggesting we conform ourselves to the world, I'm not. Because we're going to the second scripture that was read today in Daniel. You read King Darius, who was the king of the Medes, issuing an edict in which he amazingly praises God, the God of Daniel. This is not a Christian. This is not a man who have ever, has ever worshiped God. But you saw at the end that he said because God saved him from the lions. Well, you know what that was about, don't you? Daniel was thrown in a lion's den. Do you know why? Because he was praying. What has that got to do with anything? Well, Daniel was very high up in the kingdom. In fact, he was one of three people under the king. And the other two had it in for him because he was different. He didn't worship the gods of the Medes and the Persians. He worshiped the true God, and they didn't like that. So they maneuvered the king into issuing an edict in which if anyone prayed to any god but theirs, he would be sacrificed to the lions. So we find that Daniel was scared and he conformed to that wish and never prayed again. Well, no, no, that's not the story. Daniel not only prayed, he went to his room, threw open the shutters and prayed out into the city where everyone could see him. Not very smart, was it? Because it got him thrown in the lion's den. And we know how that turned out. Very well for Daniel. Not very good for those who persecuted him. But we find that Daniel, even in the midst of a culture that did not worship God, did not follow God, in a culture and a community and an empire that really didn't like God, still stood by his faith. And what resulted from that? An edict in the whole kingdom. That the God of Daniel is the true God. Oh my, you can't, well I can't. I can't speak for you, but I can't read that passage and not think, wow. The middle of Babylon, a pagan kingdom, and the king is saying God is the only true God. Because of one man. Daniel, who remained faithful. Wow. So, how are we to live in a culture that does not honor God? Are we to be secretive? Afraid? Withdrawn? Okay, I want to I caution you right now. I'm not suggesting you go to work and start passing out pamphlets. Okay, that's not what I'm suggesting. Uh, I've had friends who have done that, and they thought they were persecuted when their boss said, you can't do that. Well, no, that's just not wise, and that's not necessary. In the prayer today, and in our pastor's sermons recently, you have heard the term salt and light. You're probably tired of that term, but there's no way of getting around it. That's what we're supposed to be. Now, we've all heard that described. We know what it is, what it's meant to do. What does salt do? Well, it preserves. If you go to the 24th chapter of Matthew in that gospel, you will find that there will will be such a time in the future that all life would be destroyed on the earth except that God wants to spare his people. So at some point in the future, if you live long enough, there will be such a terrible time that only you, you will be the reason that all life is not destroyed. Makes you feel kind of special, doesn't it? That the fate of mankind rests with Christians. Now, I'm gonna make another confession. I love salt. You know, those with high blood pressure, don't eat it a lot. Uh, Me, I salt everything. My wife is one day gonna throttle me. She said, I've salted that already. and I'm pouring it on. I cannot get enough salt. I love salt. Maybe some of you are that way. Good, we'll get together. But salt often makes things better. It does for me. My wife eats potato chips that are unsalted. I mean, you may as well eat sawdust. (laughs) But she likes the crunch and she doesn't like the salt, so they make those things. That's sacrilegious, I know, but they do. When we get chips at a restaurant, you know, I pour the salt on. But she says, wait, let me get a handful of those. (laughs) So, So salt, I love salt. So being told that I should be salt, boy, that resonates with me. But remember, salt is supposed to make things better. Now too much salt is probably not a good thing. So you don't want to beat people over the head with you being salt, right? You don't want to go up with a big C and wear a cape. I'm a Christian. But people will see you. They will talk to you. They should know what you are. If you are no different from anyone else that they meet. If, you are no, if they cannot tell that there is any difference in you. Maybe you want to up the salt intake a bit. Be a little saltier. Now light. Light. Um, By being a light to the world, I want you to understand that all of us, don't take this personally, all of us are dim bulbs. (laughs) The only light we can shine is the reflected light of Jesus Christ in our lives. We read in the Gospel of John that he is the light of the world. He's the light. And only in so far as people see Jesus in us, will we be light. So there's no sense flicking that switch. You don't do it on your own. You have nothing in you. You're not radioactive, no, no. Only as you reflect Jesus Christ are you going to be the example that you should be. So, despite what Rod Dreher says, that we need to separate ourselves from the world if we're going to remain strong Christians. I'm suggesting that, forget his book, we need to do something different. We need to be in this world, not of the world, but in the world, working with people, visiting with people, talking to people, being an example, being salt and light in this world living in a world that does not honor God. But as Paul says, they will see your good works and praise God even if they don't like you. I've mentioned it in my Sunday school and I'll mention it to you. Um, I was reading a comment by an atheist. Uh, I don't normally read atheist works, but I, I do like to know what other people are thinking. And he said, I don't believe in God, but I'm glad that other people do. Amazing. I'm glad that other people do because they do such good things because of their beliefs. I'm thinking, why are you still an atheist? It's amazing. So how do we live today? How then shall we live a book written by Chuck Colson years ago. How then shall we live? Well, we should live faithfully in a world, in a culture that doesn't honor God, faithful to God. Making sure that our lives reflect God. Sometimes I'm a a dark spot, but... It's because of weakness. It's certainly not because of intent. Let's intend to live life in a culture, in a land that doesn't even honor God in many respects. Let's be a minority that seasons this whole lump and live for God faithfully so that this world can be saved. It's not our part to save it. But we do have an obligation. God has sent us into the world. Read what he told the apostles at the end of Matthew. I send you into the world. Go and teach all people to observe all I have commanded you. No, we don't stand on the street corner and shout at people. We don't knock on doors, as some denominations do, but we do live our lives, so that people will know we are different. Now, some of you are pretty different already, and uh, so am I, but I mean different, that people will know that here's a person who is upright. Here's a person that I can trust. Here's a person who's a good neighbor, a good fellow worker, Somebody that I'm glad to know, even though he's got peculiar ways. Really, they may think that, even though they have peculiar thoughts. They're a good person. I hope my neighbors can say that of me, and your neighbors can say that of you. And that's how we live in a world today.